as usual. But anyway, we have bad news that the governor of California put up billboards all across his state advertising that the houses of abortion are still open. And he even put a Bible verse on the billboards. And he put the Bible verse of love thy neighbor. And look how we call evil good and good evil and everything's all upside down. And, uh, you know, love thy neighbor. What about that baby in the womb? Of course, the baby doesn't count, but it does count. And uh, so anyway, that's what we got. And, uh, of course, how can he do that? Because he's in office as the governor and he's got the government backing him up. And so we have an opportunity to maybe do a little bit about those bad people in office coming up. And I guess it's a week from Tuesday is election day here in the United States, and we need to go out and vote, and need to vote for the best candidate. Uh, you know, the trouble is sometimes people talk like, well, I'm not going to vote for him because, you know, he's got this problem and that problem. And so then they don't vote for anybody. And, uh, you know, we're not going to find any perfect candidates out there. Uh, but we ought to try to vote for the best that's out there. And so we need to do our civic responsibility. Although, you know, we do deserve the government we have. Uh, but we hope the Lord will be gracious unto us and uh, not give us quite what we deserve here in the United States. And not only is there an election going on in the United States right now, but there's an election going on in Brazil. And in Brazil, there's a clear choice down there. Uh, next Sunday is their runoff election down there between a communist and a conservative. And so pray for that election down in Brazil and pray for the elections here. I call the guy a communist. He doesn't call himself a communist, but his symbol for his party is the hammer and sickle. So it's clear he is a communist. And of course, he's good buddies with Cuba, Venezuela, and all those guys. And so there's a good choice. And you know, all through past few months, and they had a first election already, they predicted that the communist would win handily. Well, they had the first election, and the conservative, who actually is in power right now, he, uh, he did very well in the election and forced a runoff, and now they got the polls saying that it's a dead heat for the two. So we need to pray for that that might be go over the top to the conservative. And uh, so, and it's a good news week. Uh, we've got a wedding this week, I might tell you, is that our daughter is getting married on Saturday, Lord willing. It's the last of our children getting married, Christina. And so you might be in prayer a little bit for that too. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're not in 2 Kings today. We're in Matthew chapter 6 in the New Testament, doing something a little different today with Communion Sunday. And we're going to talk about prayer, about prayer. And that's not something that I usually preach on too often, uh, but we're going to speak about that today. And we have Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. 
And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. O Lord, help us to be uh, Christians of prayer the way we should be. In Jesus' name, amen. And so prayer is a very important thing. Uh, I put the title in the bulletin as the Christian's nuclear weapon. And, you know, they have nuclear weapons today. Uh, A lot of the governments have them. And Putin has them. And he keeps threatening, making intimations of his nuclear weapons. And, of course, he's been told that not only he has nuclear weapons, but other people do, too. But anyway, those weapons are so powerful that nobody wants to use them. And we have a weapon like that that we can use. That nuclear weapon of prayer. And we need to use that weapon. We need to pray. We had that uh, call to worship, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean every second of every day we do nothing but pray, but we are always in an attitude of prayer, always offering up prayers here and there all through the day. And that's what we should be concentrating on, one thing in our lives. Well, here Jesus, he talked about that prayer is a private thing. Basically, when you get right down to it, the, the, the most important prayer we do is in private. Of course, we pray in public. We pray in the prayer meeting. We pray in the church service. But it's something that's private, basically, between us and God. And we have the hypocrites back in Jesus' time. They prayed standing on the street corners. They'd go out on the street corner and just go to town praying for everybody to see them. Why would they do that? Well, so that they could get praise of men. Jesus said they had their reward. And you know, there are things that are private in our lives, in our relationship with the Lord. Prayer is one of them. Another one is, in the beginning of this chapter, alms or offerings. Those are between us and the Lord. They're not for advertising. It says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so that's private. Fasting, later on here, when it talks about fasting, that's something private between us and the Lord. We don't make an advertising of that. Don't try to get favor from men. Uh, They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. I remember when I was in seminary, uh, there was a guy down the hall, and he prayed out loud so the whole hall could hear him. Uh, And you'd hear that up and down the hall. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Not unless you're having a public prayer together. Uh, But anyway, it's something private. Then you go on to verse 6. It talks about when you pray, enter into your closet. You know, most of us don't have closets that are big enough to enter into. Some of us might. But it's talking about they're not necessarily the closet, but a private place. We need to find a private place to pray. And you know, it says, enter into your closet. Do something different than what you usually do. 
Not only are we supposed to pray without ceasing, but we're also supposed to have a special time of prayer in our closet or in a private room with the door closed or somewhere private. Enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee open. And notice all through this passage, reward is something good. We're looking for rewards from the Lord. It's not selfish to look for rewards from the Lord. He wants us to look for those. And he's going to reward us for giving offerings. He's going to give a, reward us for offering up prayers. And you know, we need to make praying a habit. And you know, it's very easy to forget about praying. It's easy to be, get all wrapped up in the stuff during our day. Uh, it's easy to forget about a lot of things. But it's especially easy to forget about praying. And you know, we need to make it a habit, I believe, a habit of setting apart a time every day to pray, to enter into our closet, to have private prayer before the Lord. And you might say, well, hey, you know, don't you know I'm busy, and I'm busy all day, and I'm too busy, and, and I can't get everything done? Well, even though we're too busy, we need to set apart that time for prayer. And if you take away nothing from my sermon today, we want to have you take away that you and I need to set apart a time for prayer. And, you know, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. A lot of people like to praise first thing in the morning prayer. And that's good. If that works for you, that's good. But it doesn't work for me. And I'm not awake first thing in the morning. And so I don't think that's a very good time to have my time set apart to the Lord to pray. And so I set apart a different time during the day. And, uh, and then other people set apart right before they go to bed. Uh, I don't think that's a very good time either. You're ready to sleep. And it needs to be some time during the day. You need to set apart some time to the Lord. Go into your closet, your private place, and pray. And then we go on here, verse 7. But when you pray, and we've got a lot of rules for prayer here, things which we ought to do when we pray, and how to pray. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And it says here that the heathen pray. The heathen pray to their gods. And it says that what they like is vain repetitions. They like to always repeat over the same exact words over and over and over again. Well, you know, it does get repetitive, our prayers, to a certain extent, because we generally are praying for a lot of the same things. But we're not supposed to have a certain words that we repeat over and over and over and over again. That's not what prayer is about, vain repetitions. Can you think of any churches that like vain repetitions? Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church has the vain repetitions. They have Holy Mary, Mother of God, be with us in this hour of need. They have all their words that are repeated just by rote. I was in the Air Force over in the Far East, over there, and the tourist attractions always in all these countries are the temples and churches. 
So we'd go to the Buddhist temples over there, and they'd have, the Buddhists would have prayer wheels. And they'd have this wheel on a stick, and they'd spin it around and around, and they believed that every time it went around, the prayer went up. And so they just sit there spinning their prayers around and around. That's more prayers. Well, the thing is, is that's just vain repetitions. They think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Of course, bringing it down to our churches. Sometimes people think that they should pray really long prayers, and that shows how godly they are. Well, you know, we're not cured for our much speaking. Of course, it's good if we want to pray to the Lord fervently. Uh, but, you know, uh, some people think they need to make flowery prayers. And they need to go on and on and on. And that's not the way it should be. And it's interesting here, it says, Your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Of course, that goes back to why in the world do we pray at all. Because God's in control, he's sovereign. He knows what he's going to do. But you know, God knows what he's going to do, and he knows the way he's going to do it. And the way he's going to do it is he's going to put it in our heart to pray for it. And so that's all according to his plan. And did you ever wonder why in the world you remember to pray for some things and you don't remember to pray for other things? Well, because it's in God's will, what he wants to do. Your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. And so we don't have to do narratives in our prayers. We don't have to tell God, oh God, you know that this is going on and you know that's going on and the other thing's going on. Yes, he does know. We don't have to tell him about it. We can just cut to the quick and put our requests in and talk to him directly. He knows. He doesn't have to be given the newspaper by us. He knows everything. Now we go on here. It has a pattern for prayer here, the Lord's Prayer, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, who do we pray for? Pray to, I mean. Who do, you, who do we pray to? We pray to God the Father. I've heard some people pray to Jesus, and, you know, Jesus is our great intercessor, Jesus is the one that intercedes for us with the Father. He's the one that's paid our price for our sin. Uh, he's very important. Uh, but we pray to God the Father. Jesus prayed to God the Father, and that's who we pray to. And this pattern for prayer, I believe here, the Lord's Prayer, is not a prayer that we should always be repeating over and over, word for word. No, I believe Although if people do that, I guess that's up to them. But I believe that, you know, it's, it's a pattern that God gives of how we should pray and the ingredients in prayer. It's just like with foot washing. You know, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and he said to do that. Well, I'm a guy who likes to take the Bible literally, but some people take it a little bit too literally and they say that, well, we need to have foot washing services in the church. Well, that's a little bit. The, the, the washing of the feet was for something that was needful in those days because they had on sandals, open feet with dusty roads. And so they needed that and they did it all the time. Uh, but we don't do that all the time. And, you know, it's, we're supposed to be humble, is what the picture is of foot washing. 
And this is a picture here of how we're supposed to pray. We don't have to pray those exact words over and over. But first we have the address there to the Father, verse 9. Then verse 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And you know, we need to pray according to God's will, that God's will be done. And you know, some Pentecostal preachers, they say, oh, you know, if you say that in your prayer, it's a lack of faith. Because just saying God's will be done, you have an out, you know, an escape hatch. Or no, no, we are supposed to say, thy will be done. And we're supposed to try to pray according to God's will and what's best. You know, so we don't really know what's good for us, really. And we don't really know what's good according to God's plan completely. We have a good idea, and, but, you know, we have to leave it up to God to do what's best. Thy will be done. And then verse 11, we have the petition. And, and I have a book, or did have a book, uh, a thick book on prayer, and the title of it was Prayer is Asking. And uh, that's, a, that's a big part of prayer, asking. Petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us, supply our needs. Don't give, them, give us everything we want or we think we want, but supply our needs. Asking. And then verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're supposed to ask for forgiveness of our sins. And that's how we come to the Lord and be saved, just as we saw in Sunday school. We pray just like the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And we pray for forgiveness of our sins, and we give our life to the Lord to follow him. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In another place it's called, uh, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But they're both the same thing. And then verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so here we have uh, praise. We're supposed to have praise in prayer. Thine is the power, the kingdom. And there's one ingredient in prayer that's really not given right in this Lord's Prayer. It's an important ingredient, and that's thanksgiving. And the Bible tells us, in everything, give thanks. And we're supposed to be giving thanks to the Lord in our prayers, in everything. Uh, Even the bad things. God's working good in our lives through the bad things. And uh, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Then verse 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we see in these passages on prayer that we are supposed to do our part if we expect God to do his part. If we expect God to forgive us, we're supposed to forgive other people. And forgiveness, it's something of the heart. The opposite of forgiveness is bitterness and hate. And we're not supposed to be bitter or hateful against other people. Yeah, you've heard forgive and forget. Well, that's difficult to do, but we ought to try to do that. We ought to try not to keep on bringing up over and over and over things that people did to us 
or uh, things, bones we have to pick with other people. No. It's forgive and forget. Forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then it goes on here, further on in this passage, it says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Time and again he says, says, they have their reward when they do stuff in front of people that they shouldn't be doing in front of people. It's a private thing, like fasting, like prayer, like giving offerings. And they have their reward, and God will reward us openly later on if we have it private. Should we fast today? Yeah, we can fast today. That's something that's good. Prayer and fasting. What is fasting? That's keeping from eating food, physical food. And the reason we keep from eating physical food is because every time we remember, why am I not eating? We remember what we're supposed to pray for. And then we pray some more for it. And so here we have rules on prayer. Let's go over to chapter 7. Chapter 7 of Matthew and a little bit more there. Chapter 7, more on the nuclear weapon here. Chapter 7 and verse 7. And right before here, it talks, we did in our responsive reading, the judge not, that ye be not judged. Uh, That talks about hypocrites. We're actually supposed to discern. We're supposed to judge between good and evil. And then it says that uh, we are supposed to do our part, judge righteously, not judge hypocritically. And uh, God will do his part. And then here we go, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And ask, and ye shall find. God gives us a promise that he's going to hear our prayers, that he's going to do things for us, that our prayers are not useless, that God wants us to pray, and God does answer prayer and can answer prayer. And we need to keep those requests before him. And uh, so anyway, here it says, we have great power in prayer. Uh, You know, we've seen some great power in prayer in our mission work recently, just the past couple weeks. Uh, We brought up here in the service that uh, uh, we had the Bank of Brazil had closed our account. We didn't know if we were ever going to get our money back. Well, we praise the Lord, we got all of our money back, right back in our bank account. And uh, God, God worked things we didn't know if we'd ever get it back or if, if it would be absolutely necessary to go to Brazil to go get the money back. And I, we couldn't go to Brazil now because of a vaccination uh, uh, requirement. But, you know, uh, God just used things and God had somebody suggest to us, why don't you look on face, go on Facebook and talk to the bank? And we had been calling them on the phone. We had been uh, sending emails and just got the runaround. And they always said, we'll get back to you later. They never got back to us. And it was completely useless. And, but 
say, why don't you try getting on Facebook? Of course, I'm not, not on, I wasn't on Facebook, so I had to get on Facebook for that purpose. And I got on it, I talked to them, and it was immediate results. Immediate. They told us exactly what we needed to do to get the money out. We needed to get a power, somebody with a power of attorney to go down there and go to the bank. And the power of attorney, you had to get it stamped by the consulate in Washington. So we went to Washington. We got the power of attorney stamped. Our niece in Brazil is a lawyer. She made up the power of attorney. She went to the bank. She got the money out and sent it here. And praise the Lord, it all worked out through the power of prayer. And then there was another thing we've been praying for for nine months. Can you remember what that is with our mission work? What have we been praying? Well, at least I've told you to pray for for the past nine months, the pallet that I sent to Cameroon, a pallet of 1,500 pounds of books and tracks and stuff for them. And it was supposed to have been in there in a month or two, and it kept on going on and on and on and on and more and more expenses and on and on. And it ended up being nine months. And just this past... A couple weeks ago, it finally arrived. Praise the Lord. And the people that, it was, that I sent it to were able to get it out of customs, and they were able to have all the stuff and give it out. They're already out going door-to-door -door giving out tracks with tracks that I put on that uh, pallet. And that was a big answer to prayer, too. Those two are great answers to prayer. We didn't know if the pallet would ever get there. But it got there, and we didn't know if they'd be able to get it out of customs. But they got it out of customs, and praise the Lord for all that. And, of course, we all have answers to prayer every day, or all the time. We should have here and there. They're not necessarily super striking, but God does answer our prayers. He supplies our needs. If we're all here living today, God has been answering some prayers of us. And so here we have, go on here, verse 9. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even also to them, for, for this is the law and the prophets." So here we have God gives us good things and we can depend on that. That when we pray, God's not going to give us bad things. He's going to give us good things. Even though he might not give us the things that we think we want or we think we need, he's going to give us good things. What's good for us? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And, of course, we need to do our part, as it says here at the end. If we expect God to do good for us, we need to do good for other people. Do, you know, here's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not as they do unto you, but as you would have them do unto you. And so here we have the famous thing of if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? And I think I've mentioned before that in Cameroon they eat serpents, they eat snakes. And so they would give them a snake. They would give them that to eat. 
Uh, and some people have translated the Bible into the language over there, leaving out snake and putting centipede because they don't eat centipedes. But, you know, we shouldn't change it. We ought to leave it there. We ought to explain that they actually like snakes over there, but the rest of the world generally does not like snakes. And so if you ask a fish, will he give them a serpent? Will he give them something bad? No, he'll give them something good. He knows how to give good gifts unto those that ask him. And then we want to look at one more scripture on prayer. Go over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there came a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so here is a parable talking about about men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, we pray for our family members. And we pray over and over and over for them. We pray that they might get saved. And we pray for them for years and years and years and years. And they don't get saved. And we tend to want to give up. But we can't give up. We need to keep on going. Always to pray and not to faint. And God gives the example here of the unjust judge. Do we have any unjust judges in America today? Yeah, we definitely have some unjust judges and some unjust uh, legislators and president and whatever. But you know what? There was a city in this city, a judge, and he didn't fear God or men, but this widow came for help. Avenge me of my adversary. A widow is an example in the Bible of somebody that's helpless, somebody that needs help, that we ought to be helping the widows. That was the original job of deacons, to help the widows. And so that's something they should do, one of the things, and help those that have need, the widows. And here is a just thing for a government to do, to help the helpless, to defend uh, the population from enemies, foreign and domestic. To defend the population, that's a good use for government. You know, government today is in all kinds of things. And the government, people look to the government to provide everything for them. And if they have a disaster, they want the government to to make good all the things of the disaster. And they want the government to provide their needs. And Of course, that's the old welfare state. And that's not what we have in the Bible. But anyway... But to defend the fatherless, the widows, to defend the population from from, uh, enemies outside, that's a just cause for government. And so this widow was asking for something justly. Avenge me of mine adversary. 
And the judge says, though I fear not God, nor regard man. He was pretty honest there. He didn't fear God. Yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. And she continually comes over and over and over again. Uh, you know, the book of Proverbs says that a contentious woman is like a dripping in a rainy day. Just drip, 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 drip. And that's the way it is with our prayers. We ought to be going over and over and over to the Lord. Drip, drip, drip. And that's what we do with our paper we send to Brazil. We send this newspaper to Brazil, The Fundamentalist, and we've been sending it there for 13 years, and it's just drip, drip, drip. And hopefully some of it will sink through one of these days. But I was supposed to keep on going to God like that drip, drip, drip every day. Keep on going. Continual coming to the Lord. And God says, shall not God avenge his own elect, just like this unjust judge. Remember in Revelation, we saw the souls under the altar. The souls under the altar crying what? How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on the earth? And God will avenge the blood of those that are unjustly treated, especially Christians that are persecuted, especially the babies that are aborted. God will avenge their blood. And they God's elect cry day and night unto him. And it says, God will avenge them speedily. And it's interesting, this last phrase that is put here at the last of this, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. And the Bible foretells, and we see in the book of Revelation, as we saw before, that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. We see that in the world around us. Is that we are come to the place today, why is it that Joel Osteen has huge crowds? Why is it that all all these preachers want to pattern their ministries after him? He tells the people what they want to hear. He tells them exactly what they want to hear. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, you know, the thing is, will God find faith on the earth in the end? And people do not endure sound doctrine today. The sounder your doctrine is, generally, I believe, the smaller the church will be. And if you have more or less sound doctrine, well, you'll have a little bit more people. But if it's really sound, you're not going to have very many. And that's a big thing that operates today. In the church, in society, things are getting worse and worse. Will he find faith on the earth? Well, he's going to find some on the earth, but not very much. And it tends to get worse and worse. And so, you know, what's our nuclear weapon as the world is getting worse? Our nuclear weapon, our big, strong, powerful weapon is prayer. And we need to use prayer. And what, as we come to communion this morning, let's look at our lives. Let's look at how our prayer life is. Are we praying the way we should? And everybody probably needs a little help on their prayer. And we need to be looking at our prayer life. And especially, is there a time that we go into our closet, into our private place to pray? 
We need to do that. Go into your closet. Go into your private place, your bedroom, or wherever it is, and shut the door. And we need to do that as we seek the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Oh, Lord, we pray that thou would bless these thoughts to our hearts, if they're from thy word. And, oh, Lord, we pray that we might be prayer warriors as we ought to be. In Jesus' name, amen.